It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Colombia Mala PLLC is 100% native owned and operated founded by Vern Colombia. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources and energy. Colombia Mala is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering Community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is uh, Mr. Sweatpants himself, uh, Captain Carl. Good morning once again, fellow people, Hopi people, and people who listen to us abroad. You know, it's a lovely morning here, Wednesday, and it is perfect morning. The birds are chirping, the birds are uh, happy and lively, and everything out there is all peaches and herbs. Peaches and herbs, (laughs) people listening to us abroad and domestically. You know, I did meet one of our listeners uh, over last week. Oh, really? uh, You know, they were kind of, we were conversating and he was asking me, what's it it like recording with Carl? And I told him that, you know, it's, it's hell for the most part, but you know, there's (laughs) there's a a pocket of uh, fun and entertainment within there. But then he told me, he said that, you know, I never knew why you called him Captain Sweatpants until I really started. Started paying attention because I guess he's somebody that sees you often, and he said that you know. And I started paying attention that he actually wears sweatpants all the time, and <laughs> so you know, for the listeners out there, I do not exaggerate that that is a nickname that Carl has earned. So, his uh, first reaction wasn't, "Why aren't you Carl?" <laughs> his first reaction was, "Thank God you're not Carl." Is all like, "Why aren't you Carl?" <laughs> we we don't need uh, multiple Carls out there, so it's a good thing that he has no kids. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's probably uh, no. It's probably true. He probably said that. Dang, it's like we had to run into this guy. <laughs> and one thing that you and I kind of wanted to chat about a little bit before we got into the main part. The main topic of the podcast is uh, there's a sickness going around, and uh, yes, it's COVID, but there is other sicknesses. There is other sicknesses, I believe, that are going around because um, I might sound a little bit weird today because I do happen to have a little itch in my throat, but I was feeling under the weather a couple of days last week, and of course, I had a little cough. I had a little uncomfort feeling in my lung area. And so automatically, of course I thought, Oh crap, I got COVID. I I caught COVID. And so I got better go check, got myself tested and uh, came out negative. Waited a couple more days, tested again, and then still yet came out negative, but I still had these feelings. And then it made me think that, you know, Oh, that's right. There are other sicknesses out there aside from just COVID. It's yeah, it's so weird because everything we we think of like uh like sickness now our brains have changed within this past 3 years thinking that every sickness that we have is going to be linked to covid. And so like I you know we suffered from um like stomach flu. We, I think there's a stomach bug going around and I I have it. I I've gotten it and I'm just having And then I'll the, probably have it. You know, probably you'll probably too. have it too cuz uh you know, we're very close together and we swap uh, spit sometimes too. Only when we make out with the same snake clan girl. <laughs> yep, that's probably true. 
But yeah, there are other sicknesses out there. So get yourself checked out. If you do, if you are uh, feeling under the weather, it's best that you do just stay home. Oh, God. Yeah, just stay home. I mean, even though your boss says, hey, you know what? It's you better come in or else, you know, it's your health. Just stay home. It's it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's weird like it's such a unique time i guess for everybody yeah. not just peace, but everybody everywhere because i think that the last two years we've probably been traumatized to a degree and as you mentioned you know anytime that we feel any type of uh symptoms of anything we automatically think it's covid and i guess really just forgetting that you know there is the flu there is the common cold there is yeah. other types of things that have gotten us sick and I guess specifically pertaining to Hopi that unfortunately the COVID rates have kind gone of gone up gone yeah. up uh, yeah. a little bit and I think a lot of a result of that has been uh, resulted to I guess conjugating in a lot of different ways because uh, graduations have been going on and then last week you know we uh, congratulated all the high school graduates and so people are starting to have full forced uh, receptions now yeah because if you remember from the last two years a lot of people were having drive through receptions yeah. where you just drive up get with your, your vehicle you get your food and then you give the graduate your gift and, and you just you drive off quick congratulations and then you drive off but now it seems that folks are starting to actually you know meet and mingle and do the things what we used to do of the yesteryear back in 2019 and so it's yeah. starting to get back to be like that again and so you know that probably contributes attributes to the spikes in covid or spikes of just any other type of illness and then uh you know there's some um other conjugations going on in the kivas with uh, some of these summer activities that we're having and i believe that some of those uh kiva conjugations are also leading to the increase of covert rates and other types of sicknesses and i guess the interesting part of it for me is that you know when these villages are planning to have some sort of ceremony that involves a lot of the men to meet in the kiva that there's all this talk of, oh, how are you guys going to protect yourself? Or what's what's going to be the protocols? Is there going to be a protocol? Or is it just going to be business as usual? Because then, you know, for those that may not know that our kivas are uh, enclosed areas. Yeah. And that, you yeah. know, especially if uh, the doors close and really there's nowhere for the air that we exhaust out to really go anywhere it just kind of circles around yeah we, and uh, so if, it, if anybody goes down where with any type of sickness including COVID, that it's just going to cycle around and it's going to go up your respiratory area it, in some way there's no air conditioner down there there's, like, there's no air conditioner <laughs> down there yeah exactly and you know some of the businesses around here uh you know leaders or uh supervisors are actually getting more, uh, you know, back to their back to their old ways of like if you're sick, you still have to come into uh, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's it's in that mindset, <laughs> like you know, we're, let's go back to 2019. You know, I don't care if you're sick, you better work. Well, I, I guess the mentality is like you call your supervisor, like, hey, boss, I got a fever. They're yeah. like, oh crap, okay, you better go get tested. Yeah. So you go get tested, and then. Your test turns out negative. No, I don't have COVID, but boss, I still got this fever. Oh, as long as you don't have COVID, come to work the next day because that's what our main concern is. Exactly. It's like that. And, you know, it, it's and then once once you do go back to work, then um, you find out that you have COVID. So you're <laughs> infecting everybody. And it's just really, I guess to me, I guess what makes it interesting is that because I I had a conversation with my brother over the weekend and I told him that you know it's weird because you know we're really concerned about COVID especially when it involves anything to do with the village yeah being in the village or being in the Kiva and you know we talk about precautions if there are going to be any precautions at all what are they going to be but yet you know we talk about 2019 that almost every February, which is during Puomia, a lot of people get sick. Yeah, a lot of a people lot get sick. Of like, people. like historically, yeah. you know, that's kind of been something that just happens because, as we mentioned, the give us an enclosed place. That in a lot of the villages, that we share the same source of water. So if yeah. you're drinking water, you're using the same kayapi. 
as everybody else we're just sharing germs down there yeah and you know as a result of that a lot of people get sick often yeah that when we go down to the kiva but because it wasn't COVID back then nobody bat an eye like yeah. it was just business as usual nobody thought twice about it but now because it's COVID we're freaking out about it and you know I guess it's just a, a real still a real touchy subject you know because there are some people that are super freaked out about it exactly there are people out there who think COVID is still fake and that why are we doing all this to yeah. change our lives to adapt to COVID and there are people out there and, that still haven't gotten their shots yet and there are still people out there that still haven't gotten their vaccinations yeah. and so you know there's just so many stances on it I know what my stance is on it uh, but you know I, I I don't like to get angry messages from people so but anyway you know I guess that's really kind of what we wanted to chat about because that is something that's happening contemporarily is that you know there are, are a lot of sicknesses going around there's COVID in addition to that there are other things that are going around because my daughter recently got sick and she had to stay home from school for about a week but we tested her the entire time that she was sick and she tested negative, negative pretty yeah. consistently yeah. for COVID. And so there are other sicknesses out and about right now and they, they have been going around and people are catching them. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, everybody who's listening to this, just, you know, stay cautious, just do what you do. And even back in 2019, you should have just been staying home if you were sick, not going to work. I don't know what's wrong with you guys back in 2019, but you, you know, just safe practices, wash your hands, do all the things, uh, kiss, kiss your partner six feet away, you know, do all those sorts of things like that. So, but anyway, uh, besides that, it's, um, we'll be talking about something pretty near and dear to, uh, my heart because it's something that I really like doing. I don't know, uh, if, uh, J-Man likes doing this, so. I, I think for you, Carl, this is probably kind of like a borderline thing. You know, it's, it's either it, it's like flipping a coin, right? Yeah. You flip a coin, it's 50-50, whether it's going to be heads or tails. And this episode for you is kind of like a coin flip. Like, does, <laughs> does Carl really truly hunt or is that, is that a persona that he just talks about for the podcast? Is Carl truly a real man or uh, is this all uh, fantasy land just like uh, Dungeons and Dragons I train on uh, Bowmaster on uh, a PlayStation 5 <laughs> but today's main topic of the podcast is going to be hunting and then you know I, I think that this is a topic that's been brought up during uh, discussions of planning the podcast for quite a while now but we finally got to it because then you know I, I think that not everybody out there hunts right not no. everybody does no but I guess just talking about wait wait wait, wait. are there Hopi vegans out here mm, that's a good question because you know a lot of uh, you know they don't hunt so they I wonder what their stance are like Hopi hunting I, I have no idea. Yeah, we should bring somebody on like that. Bring a pole on. Bring a yeah. Bring like a vegan on. Like, <laughs> are you level five vegan where you can only, <laughs> or you only uh, breathe the air of an animal? You can't breathe the air of an animal. <laughs> you know that's funny. You bring that up because I've asked the Res famous wife this before. Yeah. What would you do if any of your kids brought home a partner? That, was, that vegan. was vegan. Oh, man. And so, like, you know, like, they come home for the weekend and, like, maybe she's serving Nukwivi or yeah. something. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a, a vegan option? Oh, my God. What, what's the vegan option? Yeah. It's like um, we can toss out the the corn or the, the meat and just leave you the corn in water. Like, like would that piss you off? Yes, somebody, of course. If that'd... somebody came to Sola's dinner table and they presented their, hey, I can't, any, I I can't, can't eat. eat any of this stuff. I'm a level 10 vegan. I can't even smell the animal from here. I can't eat fruit unless it naturally dropped off from the tree. <laughs> if it was handpicked, I can't eat it. Yep. It's like, I can't, uh, I can't eat anything that has an animal looking at it. <laughs> But I guess, you know, kind of just to start the conversation off, why are we talking about hunting? Why, why is hunting such a, uh, a prolific topic for this kind of podcast? I don't know. You chose the topic. so <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about cameras. I don't know what was wrong with you. But I guess the reason why we're talking about hunting is because hunting historically has been a big part of our culture yeah. as, as Hopis because, yeah. you know, meat being a part of our 
normal diet as, yeah. as it goes. And then I guess even contemporarily in our reservations today that you do have a lot of hunters out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of us that like to practice in, in this pastime of hunting. And I think it's this also this idea of... Uh, because then, you know, we, we have these definitions, I guess, of what a quote-unquote real man is. Yeah. Especially out here on the reservation, specifically the Hopi reservation, that you're a, a real man, a quote-unquote real man, if you... If you're a farmer, right? Yes. That, that's a big yes. part of it. Yes. But then for a lot of people too, your manliness increases if you're also a hunter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's just Hopi standard. Like that's pretty much how they eat back in the day. But, you know, like uh, a lot of the times that uh, these Hopi men would go out and hunt for big game like elk or deer. Uh, I usually hunt for bison sometimes. So Yeah. A dinosaurs. I, I hunt for T-Rexes. Yeah. So. <laughs> One of those mammoths. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do Carl and J-Man hunt? I hunt. I I hunt, but not like big game. Do you really hunt? I like, really, like, I really hunt. We're, we're not talking about uh, what is that uh, duck shooter game on Nintendo? <laughs> it's a uh, Bowmaster on <laughs> PS5. No, no, no. I do have, I do have a, a traditional bow. I do have a recurve bow and a stick bow. And yes, I do hunt. Yeah. I hunt too as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so Carl and J-Man both hunt. What do you hunt for? I hunt for big game. Hunt for women? (laughs) (laughs) And so I guess, you know, kind of both of us do hunt. Why why do you hunt? What what, what is the history of Carl hunting? Well, what what got you into hunting? (laughs) Who told you to hunt? What do you hunt for? Well, I hunt for rabbits. And the reason why I hunt for rabbits is because when we had a, uh, when we had an eagle, you know, that was basically the their main food source. So we would go out sometimes during the day, sometimes during the evening time. You, you had an eagle. Yes. Yes. We, we've had an eagle before. Why, yeah. why did you have an eagle? Because it was it's tradition for us to have uh, a, a, an eagle that that can uh, give us their feathers at the end of the uh, the term. Where, where do you get this eagle at the pet store? Uh, yeah, they we, we order it. <laughs> <laughs> Through the black market. Through the black market. But anyway, yeah, I, I hunt uh, small rabbits, uh, uh, prairie dogs, uh, rabbits, uh, dogs, you know. Just cute. <laughs> and it was just because, you know, uh, I was always taken out with Kwan and we've, we've always had like uh, like hawks and eagles and we've always had them as pets. And, and that, you know, they... We've always hunted for them, and I've gotten gotten into hunting like that. So, okay. you know, twenty twos, shotguns, four tens, you know, like those those things that you know we hunt with. You use a shotgun to hunt a rabbit. No, uh, twenty two to hunt a rabbit. <laughs> I'm skilled. <laughs> I hunt. I hunt with rocks. And and this recurve bow comes into play where um, I shoot uh, cans. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't actually hunt with this recurve bow. I'm preparing for the zombie apocalypse because there's <laughs> going to be no more ammunition. So. I don't know what's wrong with you. Well, I got into hunting like uh, I think most males through the influence of my father. Yeah. My dad, he used to hunt all often. And so, you know, he hunted deer, he hunted elk, turkey. And so he, in turn, you know, he really wanted me to be a hunter just like him. And so in the state of Arizona... They do have these youth hunts. I think it's like from ages 14 to 18, something like that. But it's a special program that you go into more than likely a chance to be able to get a hunting tag because in the state of Arizona, you have to have a hunting tag to go hunting. You can't just go out into the wilderness with your rifle and just shoot something when you want to, that there is a hunting season that you do have to apply for a tag. And so when, as soon as I turned of age, which I believe was about 14, that my dad got me a a youth hunting tag. And then so we took us hunting. My nephew and I, we hunted for deer. We hunted for elk. And the first big game I ever shot, I I killed an elk. Oh, really? I killed an elk. And so, you know, in in customary Hopi tradition that the first time you kill an elk or deer, you bring it home and, you know, your moms, they make nukwavi out of yeah. it, out of the sikwi. Yeah. And then you feed your guests. Yeah. And so, you know, my nephew, we both did that. Both him and I killed for the first time the same year. But he killed a deer and I killed an elk. And then we had our 
big feast on the same day. And then so you had uh, two choices. There were two flavors, two flavors of Nekwavi. There was uh, <laughs> elk, which is Zairisa uh, in Hopi. And then Sawing, one which is deer in Hopi. And so those were the two different uh, flavors of stew that we had on those days. And so that's how my father got me into hunting. And then all throughout high school, it was just kind of a yearly thing that during hunting season, we'd go out, we'd hunt for deer, we'd hunt for elk, turkey. I've killed elk, I've killed deer, I've killed turkey. And it's pretty fun. I mean, I enjoy it because you go out into the woods, you go camping, and it's funny because I mentioned to my wife that, you know, most of my life, I've only gone really camping during hunting season. Uh-huh. And so I've always associated hunting with the cold because I remember this one particular hunting trip. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that it was somewhere up near the Grand Canyon, near the North Rim. But it was so cold, I remember, that every th- liquid that we had, whether there was the water to wash our face or to wash our hands with the soda that we brought, everything froze Oh, really? at nighttime. Everything froze. And so I always associated camping with the cold. Wow. You know, it, it's um, like a lot of the hunting, the hunting uh, stories like that, they do depict a lot of that because a lot of the hunting season is in mainly in like the, the winter area or the winter time. So... Like I, I, you know, for me, I've never really gone hunting with Quab before because he was he was mm-hmm. a big uh, game hunter as well mm-hmm. too. He's gotten uh, deer and his uh, my tahas were hunters as well too, mm-hmm. but they haven't gone hunting for a very very long time. Oh wow! So and yes, I do own guns, and yes, they probably are illegal here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, because uh, that's basically what uh, you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's listening to this, go register your gun. And so all the snake ladies, sun ladies that are listening to this, all the eagle ladies, sand ladies, if you want a life full of just eating nothing but rabbit meat, Carl's your guy. But if you want elk and deer meat, J-Man's your guy. Yeah, they don't like that stuff. (laughs) But I think now's a good time to take a quick commercial break. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a quick, quick commercial break. Are you 16 to 25 years old and living in Maricopa County? If you are, Native American Connections Tree Program provides free counseling, life skill development, housing navigation, and substance use treatment for 16 to 25 years old living in Maricopa County. Grow your roots with Tree. Gift cards are offered at every appointment, so call Tree today at 602-424-2060 or email them at youthtree at nativeconnections.org to sign up today. That's Y-O-U-T-H-T-R-E-E at nativeconnections.org. Native Community Capital is your trusted partner for home loans or financing your business. Visit us at nativecap.org or call us at 855-628-2272. Let's work together to rebuild tribal economies. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their service. Services. Follow them on Instagram at Nurturing I Squared and on Facebook at NI Squared Team to find out more. And we're back. Back talking about a very manly topic. Talking about a topic that only men know something about. <laughs> and I oh guess, yeah, where's this man at, huh? <laughs> I'm sitting, he's sitting right next to you. Uh, but I, I guess, you know, kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk about too is because, you know, I was thinking about this idea of hunting. Like, what can we talk about? Yeah. Aside just from hunting stories and maybe, you know, what's culturally related to hunting. But what's the contemporary perspective on hunting on the Hopi Reservation in 2022? Like, we kind of alluded to it a little bit because, you know, th- there's... Everything, I feel like everything always goes back to a lot of things. It's like our society, Hopi society in particular, is highly driven by teasing. Yeah, it is. Teasing is like such a a fire starter, I guess, to make people do what they should do or keep people from doing, not doing what they shouldn't be doing. And then so like when you think of, like I mentioned before earlier in the episode that when you think about this, this 
this uh, concept of what a real man is. Yeah. Quote, unquote, yeah, yeah, real yeah. man, as we mentioned before, that they're they're usually they're farmers and their masculinity is driven up some points if you're a hunter, driven up some points if you're a rancher. And I guess particularly specifically to hunting, why why are we teased as to for people I guess that don't hunt their teased, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then so why 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 what what's the purpose of this teasing or why why do we tease like that? Because we still have that 1950s mindset where men are men and women are women. And <laughs> and it's it's always been like that. It's always been in that in that era of time and memorial. And it's it's always been to where we we think that if you're not a man that you don't hunt, that you don't plant, uh, or you don't ranch, you know, you're, you're not. What, what good are you? And what good are you? Yeah, it's like that. It's like you need to pull your weight, some, you know, or you need to contribute to society in a way. You know, it's it's that mentality. So, if, for example, I'm a business owner, okay, and I make lots of money because I have a successful business. All right, but I don't hunt. Okay, and I don't farm. Yeah, and I don't ranch. Yeah. What's my value then Nothing. on the reservation? Nothing. Unless you give us money. <laughs> give me money. You're, you're, a success, you're a successful man. Go buy us some sikwi. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess to kind of kind of go on a deep dive, right? Because as young boys, you know, we're, we're kind of taught a lot of different things. Yeah. We're taught about what our place is as males within our society. And so, you know, as young boys, yeah, that oftentimes when we visited our guests, our uh, patrilineal female relatives, yeah, that it was always a customary practice that when you go to your guest's house, you always you, have sick yeah, with you. Yeah. Because then that's your gift to your guest to show you that, hey, kia, I, I'm a good, I'm a good hunter. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm, I'm a good provider. And so that was always a customary practice. Or when you get into our age, that if you get married, it was always a customary practice that you give sickly to your wife's relatives to demonstrate that you're productive. You're, yeah. you're a productive person and yeah. that you're contributing to their life in, in being a hunter, I guess, that you're able to collect meat in some way. And so in this day and age, that, that's where a lot of the teasing happens. That when you're a little boy, that if you're at home on YouTube all day or playing video games all day, then you're chastised because then you're useless if you're not out with your father or your uncles at the field helping with that activity. Yeah. Or if you're a boy that doesn't hunt, then you're also chastised because then you're not being a productive member of society, I guess. And so I guess kind of all of that kind of leads into this idea that men are supposed to be hunters. Men are supposed to be the men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like that. That's what I'm saying. It's the 1950s mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, men are supposed to be the breadwinners around the house. You know, men are not supposed to back down from a challenge. You know, that's that whole idea. And we still keep to that idea. Even as young boys, we're given or gifted like bows and arrows to practice with. No Hopi boy can say that they've never gotten a bow or arrow. Yeah, exactly. Every boy on the Hopi reservation has gotten a bow and arrow from the gods to practice. Yeah, to practice their hunting skills, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's the whole idea behind it. It's the it's to provide for the family, provide for your gas, to provide for the for the community, for the village, and. We don't look at like that anymore. You know, we're we're like uh, we're we're behind the society now. Where it's like you know we have grocery stores, and we can go down to a K Town store and go buy their um, all their chicken, pretty much. What about this scenario? I'm a physician in the big city. Okay, I have a six figure salary. All right, and I marry a Hopi woman. All right, and I buy a truckload of. Honey glazed baked hams, <laughs> uh-huh. and I bring it out here to the reservation, and I yeah. distribute it among her relatives. Am I a man then? No, you're probably going to be uh, chastised. And it's like, <laughs> it's the only thing you can hunt. Uh, Safeway ham is sick. We I don't understand what, what the why we're being so picky now. It's just the only thing you know how to hunt is uh, the hams from Safeway. <laughs> 
but it's it's funny too because there there are jokes like that you know what i mean and i guess really you know when we talk about sikwi yeah there there's particular sikwi that we're talking about yeah rabbits yeah deer mm-hmm. elk mm-hmm. and sheep mm-hmm. those are probably the most acceptable meats i guess that, that you can take yeah. either to basically you're giving it to the females yeah whether if you're a young boy yeah your yeah. own mother or your kias or when you become a married man yeah then to your wife and her relatives are the main ones that benefit whether you can accumulate this in some way somehow and so talking about i guess those four main species of animals rabbits where do you hunt rabbits at out here uh i hunt mine at the field and you use a 22 i use a 22 deer where do you hunt deer around here at my field because they're always going down there <laughs> <laughs> and there are actually two hunting units out here on the hopi reservation i yeah. believe yeah i believe they're, they're, they're labeled just one and two unit one and unit and two, unit two. Yeah. and i believe that unit one basically encompasses most of the third mesa area even all the way down into Munkapi. and then i believe that unit two encompasses most of first mesa which I figured would be a better hunting area because it's more wooded, wit- wits- wooded woodsy yeah. over there. I was going to say woodsy, but yeah, I guess a, a more a better wooded area yeah. over there. And then so, you know, when it's hunting season, as, as we've mentioned before, Facebook is the new Hopi calendar. And so you see all the hunters out there posting that they're going to go hunting. And then you see the, the, the game that they are lucky enough to get. Yeah, when one of the hunters, when somebody sakinas, and then you know, they usually see what it is that they, they they get. They get. Yeah, I usually go shoot a turkey during uh, Thanksgiving at uh, bashes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the sheep. Where well, I guess you don't hunt sheep, but yeah, you just you, buy, you buy the sheep. raise sheep. Yeah, I buy the sheep. So. Where do you buy it from? Buy it from the tasavos. <laughs> <laughs> But those are, are, I guess, really kind of, really, really most of the acceptable, yeah, meats that it is that somebody hunts. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, you know, I, uh, I, I do have a hunting story. Okay. Um, I was hunting rabbit. I was hunting rabbits one one night, and I knew that there was a rabbit that was in the bushes, and we were doing spotlight hunting. This was before that became sort of like illegal to hunt by spotlight. That's how losers hunt. That's how uh, eagle eyes hunt. We hunt at night. Predators. That's how hunt. <laughs> but anyway, um, I I shine I shone the light at this bush area, and I saw a rabbit that was there, and it was it was fairly close. And I was like, oh man, should I shoot it or not? And it was pretty small. It wasn't. It was like it was a contail, and I didn't want to shoot it because it, you know if you shoot it, it might blow up pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, let me go down and see if I can maybe throw a rock at it. And because he, he was still stunned, like even from the lights, you yeah. know. Yeah. So uh, I, I got, I jumped off the truck and I started going towards him and he started hopping a little bit and he went into a bush. And then so I, I immediately had, uh, you know, I took my gun with me and I started knocking the bushes around to see, to see what uh, it, maybe I can scare it off and maybe I could just kind of knock it, knock it out and stuff. So I just started immediately just stomping on the bush as well too. And then I just heard like, and I said, that's all I heard. The last thing I stepped on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I picked it up. Poor rabbit. The head was smushed in. (laughs) God damn. Probably should have ate. Two less hamburgers on that day, oh, huh, Carl? Yeah, exactly. So that was my <laughs> hunting story. So. <laughs> but you did bring up, you know, like we're, we're still stuck in the 1950s. And it seems like all of our stories kind of correlate to this. But, you know, I guess the, the gender inclusivity rather, I guess more so the gender exclusivity when it comes to a lot of these practices. But do women hunt? Are mm. they allowed to hunt? No. Should they be hunting? No. Why, why and why not? Because they're Hopi women, they are supposed to stay home and cook and uh, <laughs> clean the house. And iron your limbs. And iron the limbs, of course. <laughs> it's plain and simple. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Do you know any Hopi women that hunt? No, I don't know any Hopi women that hunt. Do you, would you ever encourage... So, so let's say, okay, hypothetically. Okay. 
One of your nieces comes home. Yeah. And she says, the huh, Carl, I'm going to go on a hunting trip. Okay. What's your response? Are you a man? That's why. <laughs> and why? she says, yes, the huh, I am the man. <laughs> I am the man. No, I would not encourage women to go hunt. That's just forbidden to Hopi tradition for women to actually hunt anything. Why is that? Because it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's because of like the, I don't know, like the taboos that we have as well too. Like there, there are certain taboos that revolve around like women do hunting, especially when you're, you're a Hopi woman that hunt. And I know they're like, there's um, like Bahana women that do hunt. Yeah, there are a lot of Bahana women that hunt, that own guns and stuff. But as far as like Hopi women hunting, I'd have never heard of a Hopi woman hunting anything because they're the ones to receive a lot of this like sikwi or nut one and they're the ones to take care of of the family, take care of uh, what they what you bring back to them. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, that's that's the reason why. Well, you know, the only I guess logical reason and i guess you know for those that want to argue whether it's logical or not out there as to the reasoning as to why women at least from hopi perspective as to why they don't hunt is that i've heard that because you know in in the hisset time and the long long ago that you know you had to make a long journey yeah if you were gonna go hunt like the big game if you're gonna go hunt deer if you're gonna go hunt elk um i've even heard that that they used to hunt bear back in the day too oh really yeah and so if you're going on t- on a hunting trip in that manner that you had to journey far away. Yeah. And back then, you know, there was no cars, no wagons, so you're on foot. Yeah. And that it becomes a dangerous journey because, you know, you could come across enemies or you could come across dangerous animals. Yeah. Snakes, uh, wildcats. Lions, coyotes, tigers. Lion, you know, lions, lions tigers, tigers, and bears. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> and so... Because of, and we've mentioned this prior, that women are our most precious, I don't want to say resource, but <laughs> mo- mo- most precious precious gender of the species. Yeah. Because they hold the power to reproduce. Yeah. And so back in the day, in the Hisset time, in the long, long ago, that women were too precious, I guess, to be sent on a long journey that possibly could encompass dangers and so the men went and did it because yeah. men were expendable. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that was kind of the, the reasoning that I, I was given as to why, at least from a Hopi con- perspective, why women don't or can't go hunting. Mm, that actually does kind of make sense in a way. Yeah, because women aren't supposed to be doing what men are supposed to be doing. Although there is a women's society that kind of uh, you know, justifies that, that just... Or argues that. Yeah, argues that and... Argues that point. Yeah. But off the topic there, you know, it, it's... It is it is where we're still thinking of the 1950s way of living. And it is still true. It is still alive here on the Hopi Reservation. So, I I, I mean, it's, it's not to where, like, women can't do it. The women... I, I believe that women should not do it. You sound like you say that very proudly. I am saying it very, very proudly. <laughs> There's going to be some feminist group knocking on your doors and, well, I guess knocking on our doors. <laughs> and, you know, I, I guess it, it's an interesting thing, though, because, you know, like that that whole concept of uh, gender roles, because we it's very defined out here. Yeah, it is. It is very defined. It is still practice. It is upkept. Yep. And you see it contemporarily. In Indian country that, you know, there's this whole feminist movement and the argument is that, uh, what, I think it's called like pat, patch, patch, patronism or something like that, I, so I where, know. where, you know, things are kind of biased towards the male things are, uh, s- supported are institutionalized to support the male, but the patrimony or whatever it's called. But a lot of these feminists out there have argued that this idea of paternalism or, or patrimony. I got, I, I, I apologize. I don't know <laughs> what the exact term is, but that it's influenced a lot of indigenous communities and that they've argued that it's changed indigenous communities yeah, yeah. and making indigenous communities adopt a lot of these patrilineal ideals 
and practices. And because the way that we've talked about it, as far as Hopi is concerned, that one could make that argument too. But I want to say that it's not the case. I want to say that the way that we've conduct things has been, for the most part, in fact, to what you like to say since time immemorial. Yeah. And that I really think that a lot of the reason as to why our society is structured the way that it is has a lot to do with uh, survival, right? Yep, exactly. Because uh, genetically, men are physically stronger. And so because of that, men have been charged to do a lot of the heavy lifting, so to speak. Construction of homes and a lot of the main field work because the body is genetically built to handle that sort of rigorous tasks and women have the the capacity to birth life to nurture and, and yeah and supposedly have the maternal instincts to raise children and so that's why they're put into that position and so I guess I'm just talking and justifying more reasons as to why some of these feminist groups should attack me as well. But I mean, I, <laughs> are, I guess, you know, that's just kind, kind of a, a thought that I uh, had in are, my head. Are there feminist groups here on the Hopi reservation? Do you know of any? Yeah, I think it's called uh, Mamajau. <laughs> or it's probably called the uh, the Coyote, Coyote Women Club. <laughs> They're all men anyways. Can't even hold down a, a proper hus- husband. <laughs> You'll get no comment from me on that. <laughs> the only real women out there are the uh, the corn clan women. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> it's no joke, man. <laughs> but I guess kind of shifting it to a kind of a more historical conversation. And I don't know if you've ever heard like any stories or any rules of anything that's relevant to our culture as far as hunting goes. Because that, you know, you did mention this in a prior episode that you had this question. You said, I don't know if hunters these days still get uh, a petavi. Yeah. Which is a, a, a special type of prayer feather, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that this petavi is used for people that are making long journeys. Yeah. And so you get this petavi and then you use it for prayer for a safe return yeah. back from yeah. where you're going. And so I've experienced using that practice. That when you actually get into the woods that the men will actually smoke to with their piva and that they'll pray for the same thing for safety and protection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in turn, you know, of course, I'm praying for the rains to come to our villages while they're on this hunt. And then, you know, if you're fortunate enough to get to a, get, you, to get to game, something yeah then you know there's a whole practice with that as well yeah and so i guess really the only thing that i've heard of as far as you know a long time ago what they used to do is that i heard that they used to put sitta on their face uh-huh. because that was kind of a form of camouflage in the woods yeah okay and you, you have nothing to contribute to this no <laughs> <laughs> i thought this was a story and so ladies out there, you know, you see, I guess this is why I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this was kind of like a coin flip for oh, you, yeah. Carl. Oh, yeah. It could turn up heads or it could turn up tails. And it looks like it's turning up a little bit closer towards the side of of playing video games more. And then exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, it's really, I, I guess, you know, one, one thing that I can kind of talk about, too, I guess, is this whole perception of uh, hunting, at least as far as like, because I, I've said this word multiple times. I've said this word, sakina. Yeah. What does sakina mean? Like to get it or to like to get get something. I don't know. It's like the, like to like kill something or get something or like to shoot something like that. Something like that. So when you're Hopi and you're hunting, if you shoot a deer, if you shoot an elk, or a turkey if yeah. you're on a turkey hunt then usually they'll say that oh kashbam sakina yeah they got something yeah but what sakina actually means is uh, it means lucky yeah sakina means lucky and you're lucky to get a deer you're lucky to get an elk or you're lucky to shoot a turkey and the reason that why they say sakina is because in our perception of the world that animals like deer and elk and turkey, that they know their domain so well that 
basically this idea is that the only way that we're able to shoot them is if they allow for us to shoot them. Yeah. Because they're so skilled as being who they are, these animals within the wild. And so that's how in turn this whole phrase of Sakina is that's why that's the word that we use when saying that we got something. You just didn't take it out from the Hopi Dictionary? <laughs> this is actual experience, oh, yeah? Carl. Yeah, we started this episode and you had your <laughs> chest out. You said it with... With great pride. With great pride and absolute positivity. Yeah. That I am a hunter. I was like, okay, cool. Carl's going to share some cool stories of uh, how he was out there. And how he actually got some big game. I, I did. And then, <laughs> my rabbit store. To, my rabbit store. That was, that was pretty big for me. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> and so it's like you're in a classroom full of Hopis and it's like, raise your hand if you killed the rabbits. Like everybody's hands go up. Yeah. Raise your hand if you killed a deer or an elk, then lesser hands go up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, Carl. You know, at some point in time, like I said, you know, I'll oh, take yeah? you on one of these trips and then, you know, well... Put some hair on your chest. I'm a vegan. That's why I don't believe in hunting. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you guys. I'm a level five vegan. <laughs> I don't. Sm- I don't smell the farts of animals. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Traditionally, what did Hopis use to hunt rabbits? Bow and arrow. I, I believe that there's something out there called a butzkoho. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I am struggling on this because, you know, <laughs> it's it's like carrying something heavy it requires two people to lift it. Yeah. And when one person is stronger than the other, the burden then tends to be on the person that's stronger because uh, <laughs> the person that's stronger is carrying more of the weight. Yeah, you heard it. You heard it first. He is struggling to lift <laughs> something. Unlike myself. Who's carrying less of the weight. Who's carrying all of the weight. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the splitsko. Yeah. It's a, a rabbit stick. It's a boomerang. For layman's terms, it's a rabbit stick. Yeah, boomerang. A rabbit stick. It's a basic boomerang. We're not Australians, Carl. <laughs> it's not an Australian. We're, we're Hopis. That's why it's a boomerang. <laughs> but it's interesting, though, because then, you know, like, I, I guess, you know, when you think about the larger perspective of yeah. the world. Yeah. That when you think about other indigenous cultures around the world, that we do have a lot in common. Oh, yeah. And I I, I think that probably one of the biggest things that we have in common is uh, the mata, which is the the grinding stone. And that a lot of it's very common with a lot of indigenous cultures that they have that tool Mm -hmm. to be able to make grain, I guess, or, you know, flour. Yeah. Whatever it is that they use to make it. But then you mentioned the boomerang. And then if you eat at any of your local outback steakhouses, that, that <laughs> usually there is some sort of boomerang, a depiction of a boomerang in any of those restaurants. But I guess if you really historically look at some of those uh, documentations of the Australian uh, Aborigines yeah. is the, the term that's used commonly for those folks down there. But a lot of that boomerang, which is where that is depicted from, that they really do look like our putzkohos. Yeah. That they look it's like our, our rabbit sticks. Yeah. And my father has told me that, you know, in the stories, when they talk about, you know, going hunting, using the putzkoho against the rabbit. So they basically was a heat seeking missile. Yeah. That you would throw it and it would follow the rabbit. The rabbit turned right, then it would turn right with it. It turned left, then the putzkoho would turn left with it until it. Until did, it got it. Yeah. Until it got the rabbit. Yeah. And then that's your. That's how that works. Have, have you ever tried one before? No, I haven't. Have no. you? Yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah. I tried one before. It was pretty neat. It was pretty neat. It's, on uh, an actual rabbit? Not on an actual <laughs> rabbit. On a can. Of course. <laughs> I'm training for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I, I don't think that zombies move like cans, Carl. <laughs> not if they're dead. <laughs> but yeah, um, one story is that my quad when he was younger, he would use a putzkoho as well too. Mm. He would ride on his horse and man, okay. he would go up, he would chase the rabbit out into a nice plain area and he would throw that thing right there. And boom. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Dang, he would be skilled with that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's basically how you, you 
use it. You run out the rabbit and then you just chase it and then you shoot it. Yeah. Throw it. Throw it and then you just, uh, it, it's supposed to go a little ways. That's why it's not supposed to return to you. <laughs> you called it a boomerang. Yeah. It's basically what it is. What do you hunt with for a bow and arrow? Uh, rabbits. Are you good at hunting with a bow and arrow? Uh, so far, yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty skilled. Yeah, I can. How, sh- how often do you practice? Um, not since last year, COVID. Why is that? Because <laughs> it because it was COVID times. We we're supposed to stay home. <laughs> That's the reason why. I don't know. You know, Carl. When I put this episode together that I didn't think that there was a need for a special guest and so I thought that <laughs> you and I could carry this conversation but uh, you know possibly a part two for this episode and then you know can actually converse with another actual hunter and you know talk about uh, hunting stories oh yeah talk about uh, going into the woods and you know doing what what men do out there in uh, man land I, uh, I have another hunting story okay so I was out hunting rabbits as usual. Okay. And usually what I do is that I go out and hunt every now and then just for soul. Mm-hmm. Just so I, if I kill a cottontail, mm-hmm. uh, we, we'll eat it. Okay. You know, cottontails are really tasty. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, it, everything tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken. Yeah, everything tastes like chicken. So so I would usually cook up the cottontail that I, I kill. Usually I kill and we'll eat that sometimes. And um, I remember... This was during the the Black Plague scare. Everybody was kind of uh, aware of the Black Plague and or the plague that was out here, and they said that no, can't be hunting rabbits because of this plague. And and uh, I had shoot, I have shot like maybe two cottontails, and I went out for in a your whole life. No, <laughs> that day. Okay. Yeah. And I went and I, it was just right on top of our field, our, this little hill area. And I saw a rabbit and I shot it and I said, all right, cool. So I went to go pick it up and I seen it bubbling. The rabbit was bubbling and I picked it up and then all of these little black things started crawling on my arm. I don't know. I think there were fleas. I'm not too sure what they were, but yeah, I threw that rabbit away and I saw that rabbit like like bubbling it was mm-hmm. like its skin was bubbling okay yeah so i'm pretty sure that was like the black plague i'm pretty sure i got the black plague <laughs> i've got a hunting story okay and i think a lot of people can relate to this is that the very first time i ever went to hunt elk uh-huh. we went out we went we we went out for a few days and because you know like in this day and age if you're gonna go hunting you're gonna hunt from this day to this day because you have to come back because you have school or you have work. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. You only have the time off for a certain period of time. Yeah. And so we only had X amount of days to go hunt. Yeah. And so we went out there. We were looking and looking and looking, trying to find an elk. Didn't see an elk. And then I started to get discouraged because yeah. the days started to disappear and it was getting closer to the day that we weren't going to, we had to go home. Yeah. And as a hunter, you have this. It's, it's this roller coaster of emotions when you go hunting. The first day you go hunting, you're all excited because you, you're just thinking about getting a kill. Yeah. You're being out there with whoever it is that you're being out there with. You get to be a man. Yeah. You get to yeah. sleep in a tent. You get to eat special food because you eat special food when you go hunting. Like the lady still prepares some sort of nice stew for you. And you know you're going to get to eat that. And you just get to eat just a mixture of different things yeah, together. Yeah. And then so you're all excited the first day. You're all pumped up. First day goes by. Maybe you don't get a kill. Okay, second day, second day. We're going to do this on the second day. Second yeah, day goes yeah. by. You're looking and you're looking. And then you don't get a kill. Then by the third day, you're starting to worry. Yeah. Like, oh my God, am I actually going to come home with nothing? Yeah, yeah. And then so you start to stress out. And anytime you see anything move in the woods, like you're you're just on, you're on pins and needles. Yeah. Because, you know, whatever it is that you see, is this what it is that you're hunting for? Yeah. But my first time hunting elk, I experienced this. Yeah. That there were some times where we saw elk, but it was like real early in the morning. So it was real dark. You couldn't see through your scope. Yeah. And that's primarily, you know, usually what you use in this day and age to hunt deer or elk is some sort of scoped rifle. Yeah. I, I have uh, a 270 myself. And then I believe that my daughter, my daughter, my father... Has a collection of guns. He's got a 3030, a couple of other 270s. You know, some folks, they like to hunt 
these other animals with a 30 out six and so you know variety variety yeah. of different yeah. type of rifles that you used to go hunt and so my first time hunting elk i got to that last day and man i was so stressed out i didn't want to go home without anything it got to the point to where we had to break down camp because it was that day we were gonna go home. yeah so yeah. we broke down camp packed everything up in the back of my dad's truck and we're actually getting ready to leave the forest yeah and like i am so bummed out like my heart is just at the bottom of my stomach i'm so sad and we're driving and he tells me you know just hold your rifle just in case we see yeah. anything on the way out of the woods yeah and so i'm sitting there upset feeling bad for myself looking out the window and out of the corner of my eye i see movement on top of a ridge and then I look quickly again and I glance and it's an elk. Dad, stop, stop, stop. And then so he stops and I run out real quick. And I get into the shooter's position where you have one knee down on the ground. Yeah. You're using your left elbow on your left knee to support your arm to yeah. get focused. Last of the Mohican deer. style. Yeah. Last of the Mohican style. And then so I, I see the deer put it through my scope. I shoot. And then the elk runs. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't hit it. Yeah. Because it ran. And then my dad's like, he walks into the woods and he says, keep your gun ready just in case it pops up. Yeah. And then he walks for maybe about 20 feet and then he stops and he looks at me and he points right there. And I got like, I, I got into Tense, a shooter's yeah. position because like, where is it? Where is it? And right there. And he points to me. And I'm thinking that this thing is either still walking or running. Yeah. But when I walked up to where he was, he was pointing underneath the tree and the elk was laying dead underneath the tree. Ah, and then uh, my heart became full. <laughs> I became so happy. Like the relief. So relieved. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's kind of a big difference between hunting elk and hunting deer is that when you go elk hunting, because elk are big. Yeah. They're yeah. big and they're heavy. Yeah. That usually if you're elk hunting, it's best to have... A squad with you yeah. because you need this help. I remember that when I made this kill that we dragged. Fortunately, I was enough, uh, I was fortunate enough to shoot it close to the road. So we were able to, after we gutted it, we dragged it down to the road. And because we had his whole truck, it was already filled with all our camping gear. We had to unload the camping gear. And I shit you not that it took us because it was just me and my dad. Uh-huh. It took us a whole hour just to get the elk from the ground up into the back of his truck because we tried so many different ways to angle it in to try to get some leverage. Yeah. yeah. Because him and I, just the two of us, we couldn't just straight lift it up and then throw it into the back. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, he tied a rope around its neck, kind of did a little pulley system to where we're pulling it up. Yeah. And then he got underneath it and just squatted the whole thing up while I pulled it up. Finally, we got it up. And then, of course, we came home and then, you know, he was a proudly able to tell my mom he got his first elk. Oh, yeah. And that was the day that I officially became a man. I, I was I, I was thinking uh, during your story, after you got it and gutted it, it got back up and ran away. I thought that's what you were <laughs> going to say. <laughs> no, no, ex no, no uh, skinwalker stories, experiences <laughs> like that. Well, you know, it's come to that time, you know, where our stories have to end here. And, uh, you know, your stories are pretty good. I must admit that that was it's a good hunting story. Thank you. Thank you. And but that still doesn't prove that you're a real man anyway. So. <laughs> but anyway, you know, if you've gotten this far into listening and have not turned it off. I then, applaud you. J-Man applauds you. <laughs> If you've gotten this far, I, I congratulate you uh, for making it this far into the to the, this episode. I, I know it's kind of a little boring at some points, but we, we made it. I, I had to share that story because I didn't want people to think, oh, both these fools don't know nothing about hunting. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> So if you like to donate something, go to anchor.fm slash cjpodcast85 to become a month monthly donor. It's only $1.99 or $4.99 a month. You choose your flavor and it becomes, uh, we give you a special shout out. And we are still working on 
becoming Patreons uh, so we can give you some special content with, along with that. A tidbit is that word on the streets is the podcast is expanding. Yes. Yes, it is. It's it's expanding and we're becoming bigger. So uh, look out for us in the near future. We might come to your hometown and we might, uh, you know, uh, mess some stuff up for you and blame you all the way. Well, Carl might because travel wasn't a part of my contract, so I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, thank you. Uh, you know, thank you for listening to us. Uh, go ahead, do your spiel. If you are not following us on our social medias, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. YouTube. We got some exciting news about YouTube. And so I think we're actually going to get some help with the YouTube. And so please subscribe to that. Exciting things coming up. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long, quote, quote.